another visitor. Stay a while. Welcome to the final score for October 23rd, 2008. I'm Scott Johnson. As indicated a few months ago, the final score is going under a major change. This show is now all about giving voice to the video game culture we know and love. The show doesn't exist to sit around talking about new games coming out, what the industry's doing, reviews, or any of that. This is all about lifestyle and about the passion we have for the games we love and the people who play them. Childhood and upbringing means a lot of things to a lot of people. For some people, it's camping trips. For others, it might be the kind of music you listen to or the movies you watched. For me, it was all about video games. This piece will help explain all that. The year was 1979, and while it was not known to me at the time, I was about to become the most popular kid in the entire neighborhood for years to come. Sometime in the spring of that year, my dad came home with what looked like a huge refrigerator box in the back of his truck. We have a fridge, I told myself. Yet there it was, a giant, big cardboard behemoth, standing out in dad's pickup bed like an obelisk in transit. As he backed into the driveway, it became clear that the sides of this box were covered in Japanese characters, none of which I understood. A Japanese fridge, I thought to myself. Didn't see that coming. All of us hovered around my dad while he got out of the truck and started untying the box from the truck bed and grinning throughout. This is the day that we would find out that my dad had decided to start his own business, running arcades and building and selling video games. This was the day my dad brought Space Invaders home in a truck. Let the artificial friends brigade commence. Suddenly I was getting phone calls from people I never hung out with otherwise. Jocks, stoners, that weird kid up the street. They all started calling me buddy and dude. At first I thought perhaps this signaled a new era of social enlightenment for me. I was one of those art nerds, not the kind of kid you automatically associate with the junior high elite. But as it turned out, it was the start of what I now call friendship fakery. Spawned from the ashes of having a father that owned and ran arcades all throughout the 80s. Imagine the surprise of my parents when I came home from school and for the first time had the quarterback, two wrestling teammates, and my high school president in tow. There were the usual, hi boys, glad you could come over. Can I get you something to drink? Sure, Mrs. Johnson. Gee, your video games are sure cool. My mom must have thought I'd suddenly become popular. 
I'm pretty sure my dad knew exactly what was going on, though we really never talked about it much. He sure smiled a lot when we were there playing games in his own little personal digital wonderland. As the years carried on, the basement was filled with games like Donkey Kong, Burger Time, Miss Pac-Man, Asteroids, Missile Command, Mooncrest of Battlezone, Crazy Climber, and some weird rare stuff like Kamikaze 3 and Frisky Tom. And for all that time, I retained this strange artificial popular status, despite a constant gut feeling that told me this will never last. Don't get me wrong, there were always real friends around, but they would have been there no matter what was in my basement. I've always remembered this time in my life fondly. This was cutting-edge stuff back then. I had pretty much nothing but wonderful memories of those years, and I always wondered what my mom thought of my dad's harebrained business plan and all these games all over the house, and my new devoted friends. So, I asked her. Hi, Mom. Hi, Scott. How you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I have some questions for you, though. Oh, okay. If you're okay answering a few. Oh, no, no. Fine, fine. So, back in the 80s when Dad was, uh, late 70s, early 80s, when Dad was getting into the whole video game thing, and brought uh-huh. home the Space Invaders, and then all those other games started showing up and started, you know, filling up the garage and the basement and the living room and everything. Uh-huh. What did you think of that whole thing when it was happening? What was I've never asked you this question. What did What did you think of Dad's brave new business he was getting into? Well, at the very very beginning, uh, I thought it was kind of cool, kind of interesting, because the first game was uh, was it Star Wars. Uh, it should have been. It was it Space Invaders, right? Or Space Invaders, yeah. Yeah. I think. And it was the only one, pretty much. Yeah. So it was uh, kind of fun. The only thing I kind of uh, wasn't too thrilled about is that he wanted to be on it a lot. <laughs> so wait, he, he, <laughs> want, he wanted to play it all the time? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember Yeah, because we had it. Well, you know, we had it at home. And so it was like this big... Big, uh, what's the word? Was he? Did he seem like he got a little addicted to it? Like he was playing it every day, kind of thing? Uh, yeah, he played it a lot, and then you were about. I was like ten or eleven, wasn't I? Well, you know what? I no, because I remember him working with you on on hand eye coordination. Yeah. On that game, and you were younger. I think you were like seven. Wow. I think you were about six or seven, and he was concerned about your hand-eye coordination. Wait, and, wait so never... back up. He thought I was, I didn't have good hand-eye coordination, and that was he mm. figured that would help me. Right, what right. In, what indicators did he have that I had lousy stuff? You can be honest about that. Like, what, uh, what, what was I showing that showed I had bad hand-eye coordination? You know, I don't really know because I never noticed it with anything. But he, I evidently, he, when he taught you how to play the game, uh, he noticed that your hand-eye coordination wasn't up to evidently what he thought it should be. Yeah. And I don't know what else, I don't because I didn't realize it, because I, I don't have good hand-eye coordination either. No. You've seen me play uh, whatever that little game, first game was. Remember when the I Mario, when you dropped the controller? Mario, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was probably genetic, and uh, what are you going to do? I just remember him saying, I, I need to work with Scott on his hand-eye coordination. Now, you know, I... That could be that could have been a, a little bit of a sneaky way just to get to play it. I don't know, <laughs> but anyway, 
that's that was kind of the first few times or first few months that was uh you know playing it a lot and playing it for your hand eye coordination well for for but better or you, for worse, I'm pretty good at it now yeah yeah you you've really greatly improved there's no <laughs> doubt about that, but whether you had a a need to you know you improve just because of practice and doing it, but it was kind of a novelty, and it was fun and and all the kids were they thought it was fun and all the Neighbor kids wanted to play, and do you so do you we have were, do you do you think the games were, if in retrospect, do you think the games were a good or a bad influence on us as kids? And uh, you know, looking back now, how do you feel about it now? Um, oh, I don't think they were bad or good. I, I, you know, it kept you home for one thing, so that part was good, and a lot of kids wanted to come over and play, so we were kind of popular as a family because of the games and you know i remember we kind of had to to put a little screeching halt on that for a while because it got to be kind of a too much but um so it was fun i remember my mom your grandma yeah. she really liked him and she was good she was she'd sit and play uh moon crest yeah. for hours yeah she had good hand-eye coordination and she she was good with that kind of thing i am not it's not my Forte, but uh, I, you know, I did get so I could play. I gotta yeah. say, I remember, I remember being kind of blown away by my seventy-plus-year-old grandmother sitting down to a cocktail-style version of Mooncresta and playing for two or three hours, and and mm-hmm. and thinking, "Wow, my grandma is way cool." Yeah, she really liked it. I think um, had she been well and uh, you know maybe started say when she was 70 which is my age she i think she would have gotten into the computers yeah but if she was a little bit beyond you know when they got popular or user friendly yeah you know that's true but like you know even in her when she was 80 i mean she could do what i do now on a computer without probably too much trouble i think she would have really enjoyed it but yeah the timing was a bit off she was before her time yeah but she had the kind of whatever it takes to be interested in it and to you know to, to want to pursue it she had kind of a business head anyway so it, it, it would have probably come easier for her than it has for me plus, plus wasn't she one of those ladies in the world war ii that sat in front of the big phone switch system and sit yeah. there and swap yeah. plugs out in and out and all that kind of stuff yes she was a telephone operator for a lot of years uh-huh. see that would really that would help your hand-eye coordination uh-huh. <laughs> yeah right and i took a test at the telephone company out of high school and they wouldn't hire me because I transpose numbers. <laughs> nice. So there you go. Nice. That was not my not my little deal. So was it hard to like when you'd walk around with the your lady friends in the morning and stuff or you know, other friends that you had with work or whatever, did you find it hard to explain what dad did to them? No, not really. Um uh, Like would they know, would they bring that, it up and say, My husband's a lawyer, my husband's a Doctor, what does your husband do? And you'd say, "Well, he's he owns video, arcades and has video games." I mean, how did you how did you explain it to people? Uh, I just told them that yeah, that he uh, that we had the video games in all of these locations, and uh, it was a big you know it was a big thriving business then. It, no, I had never felt like it was beneath anybody or anything. I thought it, you know because it was so popular. It, I mean, they were on every corner. Yeah. And they were beginning to just be, you know, huge. And everybody that had kids kind of knew about them, and their kids were crazy about them. In fact, most people wanted to buy one from us all the time. And we did so, that a couple that, of times, didn't we? Didn't we sell them to a few people? Yeah. 
Yes, we did, and we loaned them. We and we gave him one. To, I think we gave him like to Max and Mary. We gave him one because he did the, our taxes. Yeah, and he so still has every, that. It's a it's an old Pac Man. Yeah, yeah, old Pac Man. Yeah, <laughs> so many people wanted them. I mean, people. A lot of people were asking us and or wanting one or wanting to buy one. It was it was a big. Uh, you know, they were way popular and just so innovative and new that people were fascinated by them. They were all over the place. One thing, it did did get to be a problem for me, uh, being the mother and trying to get kids to come to dinner or to get their rooms cleaned or whatever, because we had, what, four or five set up in the family room. And to get, especially you, I couldn't get you off that thing. (laughs) And, I mean, you would have gone without food and shelter to keep playing so it it was kind of a, a pain in my side occasionally because it, it was took it took priority yeah and took time away from other things and you know there was a bit of wrangling to get you off there um i don't, didn't have any problem with misha or matt yeah with it so much um and wendy really either she wasn't really an issue yeah, she she wasn't too much either because she was so, so social and doing other things. It was primarily you that were wanting to play it all the time. Yeah, one thing that uh, kind of interrupted that for a little bit is because uh, you were so into that is when we got the video camera. Then you turned your attention quite a bit to that. Yeah. You know, the computers st- or the uh, video games still yeah. were, you know, you're, you're always wanting to do it, always, never... You know, you were on top of it all the time. And and Dad was, too. He was just as nutty as you. Yeah. And little has changed, you know. by the way, for me. <laughs> when when Dad had the games in uh, Pizza Huts, yeah. it was kind of fun. It was kind of a fun family times when he'd go empty out the machines and, and check them and everything because we'd always get, go as a family and get pizza while he'd, you know, work on the games and everything. But you were right there beside him doing it or helping or or playing one thing or another. <laughs> so, so it was kind of fun family time, that part of it. Nobody else had that. Nobody else did it yeah. that we knew, you know. I mean, we were really kind of a novelty in the neighborhood and and pretty popular uh, because of it. So it, we were really, we used to even rent movies out. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> we had like the first VCR on the street. Yes, exactly. I remember that. I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a little video rental. But, you know, it was all right up Dad's alley. He he loved it, and it was his kind of thing. Yep. Just like it is yours. And uh, so there's a place in the world for you people. My personal free play arcade days are long behind me, leaving their indelible mark that is still part of me today. The memories are not all good though. In 1985, along with most of the industry, my dad lost his video game company. The video game business took a huge dive in general. This can happen when companies are putting out little more than Pac-Man clones and bad overhead shooters. The home market had begun to explode with companies like Nintendo and Sega entering the scene. The bank took everything. 
the company assets, the arcade space leases, the house, the motorhome, the boat, leaving us with little in the way of material things. I was 16 years old. Dad went on to start a car auction business, driving to California once a week and coming back with two or three new cars to sell at local dealerships. I'd often drive with him, so he had another driver to get that minivan or Celica home and not have to pay a truck to do it. Those were fun times, but I don't really think video games came up much. For this piece, I wanted to ask my dad about the arcade days. His passion for that business and its impact on us kids. But I can't. He died in June of 2000. He was 63. At the time, the only remnant of American Amusement Incorporated was a storage unit filled with empty stand-up video game cabinets. No paint, no guts, no games. Just empty particle board shells, dusted and neglected. And gone before we realized they were even there. The unpaid storage company had them removed and destroyed. I think that if my dad was still around, I'd ask him why he got into that business in the first place all those years ago. Was it for the money? The excitement of being part of a new craze in its early days? Knowing my dad, probably none of that. My guess is he'd say, I did it for you guys. I did it so you would be the most popular kid on the block. I did it because it was awesome. I can't play video games today without thinking back to the time when it was so new, so incredible, and so magical. Though I'm certain that my brother and my three sisters had no idea at the time how cool it all was, there is no doubt in our minds now. The next quarter I put into a machine will have my dad's name written all over it. just a couple of minutes with contributor Kyle Laura. So there are these basilisks in Stranglethorn Vale. I think that, for most people, memories of their time in this place probably resonate pretty negatively. Most people spent their late 20s, all of their 30s, and maybe even some of their early 40s in that zone. I'm not sure if players still spend their time there, as they've not played in a couple of years, but I look back on my time there fondly. One night, I was with my friends Dax and Todd, and we were hunting the aforementioned basilisks in STV. We were also on Ventrilla together. We almost always are. It's a voice communication program, for those that don't know. This was a few years ago, so I don't remember exactly where the basilisks were, but these particular ones randomly proc a sleep spell on whoever they're attacking. You probably know the ones. Anyway, it was about 3 in the morning, and the three of us must have been close to leveling to be playing at that hour. Or maybe we weren't, and we just didn't take notice. We may have been too busy laughing at Dax. Every time the basilisk procced their sleep spell, Dax was the target. Every time. If you've ever been put to sleep while in a group, you know that mobs switch targets away from whatever they just slept, and the same person isn't usually put to sleep twice in a row. This didn't matter to these basilisks. Even if they were attacking Todd or myself, as soon as Dax would wake up, they'd turn around and put him right back to sleep. Please take note that I'm not referring to just one or two basilisks. Every single one that we came upon did this to him, and this went on for at least ten minutes. 
I seemed to remember that at first, Dax was getting upset, but then he began to realize the absurdity of it and he joined in on the laughter. Then again, maybe I'm just idealizing my memory. Maybe you aren't finding this as hilarious as we did, but we could barely breathe the entire time. I look back on that time we had in amazement at how exhausted we must have been to let ourselves go like that. I think of how fortunate we are to live in a time where we can freely keep in touch and interact with people that live on opposite ends of the country, 24 hours a day, no matter what we're doing. I would have never had this experience, nor would I be sharing it with you now, were it not for games and technology. I hope that there are some people that this story connects with. Maybe you've had similar experiences. I hope that you have. Laura, he goes by the name of Sock in World of Warcraft. Special thanks this week to my mom, Donna Johnson, and to my wife, Kim Johnson, who makes all this possible. This show is a production of Frog Pants Studios, LLC. We'll see you next time for the final score. <laughs>